Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, if you brought your Bible or if you have uh, the app opened up to um, Version, I would encourage you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. But before I read there, I just want to share with you something that December 29th, uh, 2018 um, was a, a big day in my life. So it was a year ago today, uh, sitting in my office, uh, counseling with a family, and right about the time that that was over with, uh, I got a phone call that my dad had passed away. Uh, I dropped over with a heart attack. Dad had health issues for many years, but we never, you know, it's one of those things where you just think it's not going to happen. Today's not the day. Well, last year it was. And when things like that happen, uh, in the Air Force, we call these a vector check. What happens is your your life is going to change directions. And many times, um, it could go the wrong direction, it could go further in the right direction. But we, when those type of life experiences happen to us, we automatically create these vector checks. And, and so when we talk about the word vector, you know, maybe you've never heard of that or you've never heard it used like this before, but what it means is the direction that you're going. But more importantly than just the direction that we go, it's the magnitude, the speed and the power that you're going in that direction. And you can imagine, and many of you have lost a loved one, and you know what that's like. And maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a mom or dad, maybe it was a brother or sister, maybe it was a daughter or a son. And you know what I'm talking about in, in that you start questioning things, maybe even questioning God. And you find yourself, your life, on a different vector check. You, 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 you may change the speed with which you're going after life. You may change the direction that you're going after. And so one of the things that, that I determined through that process was this. I, did, I chose not to look back on my dad's life with regret. I was very blessed. Uh, my dad and my mom, they took care of us. Uh, we had a great life. Now, now, let me just tell you, we didn't have much money. We had a great life. They loved us. They took care of us. Matter of fact, the, and, and I just want to speak uh, some words of encouragement to some of you moms and dads, but probably the best Christmas I remember was our first Christmas in Germany, and all I got was one gift. So my parents could afford. And it really wasn't anything I wanted. But I look back. I I can't even remember the the Christmases where I got 100 gifts. I don't remember the ones where I got 15 or 20, where my name seemed to be on every gift that was underneath the tree. But I remember that Christmas 
1979 in Mainz, Germany. And I remember it because I knew my mom and dad loved me. And so I determined, I chose that I was not going to look back on my dad's death with regret. Instead, I committed to look to the future with gratitude. Gratitude for everything that had been brought into my life. If you found Hebrews chapter 12, I want to read a couple verses. Actually, I'm going to read 1 through 13 to you. And it says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have an earthly father who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet. So that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. So this morning, I just want to share three things with you when it comes to making a difference now. The first thing is this. I want to answer the question, why? Make a difference. Well, the the answer is found in verse 1 there of Hebrews chapter 12. It says that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness. Now, if you look in chapter 11, it lists all of those heroes of the faith. And today, in 2019, those same heroes of the faith and many thousands since them have been added to that cloud and they watch us. Now, I don't know what that looks like in heaven. I don't know if they can literally see down here what's going on. But I take Hebrews 12, 1, by faith, that we're surrounded by them. And it's because of their testimony. It's because of the lives that they lived, the trails that they blazed for us, that we today get to continue their legacy. We get to continue what Christ started 2,000 years ago on Golgotha. So why do we want to make a difference in 2020? We want to make a difference because of those that have gone before us. 
Maybe it's not the ones that were listed in Hebrews chapter 1. Maybe for, for you, uh, it, it's someone like my father who, who uh, established a legacy of faith in our family. I got to, um, about a month later, I got to spend time with uh, the couple that led my dad to the Lord. And, and I remember them telling me that he said, I ain't going to church. He said, you can pick up my daughter on the bus and, and take her to church on Sundays. I'm not going to church. And, and he said that for month after month. And my sister kept getting on the bus. And then one day, she got saved. And uh, after she got saved, they set up a time for her to get baptized. And so my mom and dad went to see her get baptized. And the Holy Spirit spoke through those, that shield, that barrier that my father had been putting up. Spoke words of life into him. And the legacy of our family changed that day. What's the cloud of witnesses that surround you? Who's gone before? Is it a father or a mother? Is it a grandma or a grandpa? Who is it that speaks words into you and you still remember them as if they were there right beside you right now? That's why you want to make a difference in 2020. Because of the love that, whether it was yesterday or 20 years ago, that they poured into you was the love of Christ. And so we take that same love and we share that with those that are around us. Well, I don't want to just answer the question of why should we make a difference, but I want to share with you how we can make a difference. In verse 1 it says this, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Ladies and gentlemen, every one of us in here today, if you're hearing my words, I can promise you this, that God has a race for you to run. God has put a purpose, God has put a desire in your heart, and when you let the clutter of the world go, you'll start hearing it, you'll start feeling it. When I see that and I see the word endurance, I think of my youngest son, Caleb, who happens to be here this morning. Uh, it's just unfortunate that they show up on the days that I'm going to talk about them. Um, <laughs> But uh, years ago, I was uh, on a military mission, and um, I got a text from my son, Caleb. And, and the text was this, um, that the lawnmower broke when I was mowing the yard, and then he sent a picture. And the picture, like the grass is 10 inches tall, all right? Now, I'm wondering, how did it get 10 inches tall? But, you know, th that was besides the point. Um, and there was two rows cut into this, so you could see it was, it was pretty high on both sides. But then he said, but don't worry, I finished it with the weed eater. <laughs> now, now uh, Dad, you can just picture what that yard looked like. When I, I asked Carrie, I said, well, what did it look like? She said it looked like a pasture. You know, there, I mean... Um, matter of fact, one day I was talking to Caleb, talking to a group about this with my son Caleb, and, um, and they asked him, would you ever do this again? And he said, never. He said he was covered from grass from his ankles up to his ears. But you know why he did that? You know why when the lawnmower broke that he continued to work on? It was because of endurance. It was because of perseverance. You know, he decided that he wasn't going to let a little lawnmower whip him. 
And he certainly wasn't going to let 10-inch grass do it. So how do we make a difference? Well, you know, all of us have our own yard to mow. Only it's not a yard. And it's not a lawnmower. It's a calling. It's a race that God has called each of us to. And you know what? Each of our yards look different. Each of our races are a little bit different. Some are longer, some are shorter. Some have hills and some have valleys. Some of them you're going to get to use a lawnmower. Some of them is going to be a ride and mower. And others it's going to be a weed eater where it's an effort to get that whole thing done. But every one of us have a race. Every one of us have a purpose. And the biggest tragedy is if you walk into 2020 in a couple days not knowing what your purpose for the year is. Knowing that God has placed it there and for some reason you don't understand it. For some reason you're hiding it. For some reason you don't embrace it. And what will happen is, like many people, a year from now, you'll start thinking about 2021. And you'll beat yourself up because of what you didn't do in 2020. Just like you're beating yourself up right now because of what you didn't do in 2019. You know what God has challenged you to do. You know about that cashier at Walmart that the Lord said speak to her or speak to him and you didn't. You know about that friend of yours that that put a post on Facebook that was a cry for help and and you wanted to reach out to them with your story and yet you held it back because you were afraid, you were embarrassed of what they might think or say about you. So how do we make a difference? We make a difference by living out, by running our race. You know, Paul said it this way. He says, I've run my race. I've completed my fight. And I'm ready to go to the Savior. But I can promise you this for all of us. When you wake up and if you check your pulse, you've got one, God has something for you to do. It may not even involve leaving your house, but God has something for you to do. I don't know if you've ever seen these three little letters, B-T-W. If somebody sends you a text and they put B-T-W on it, what does that mean? It means, by the way, that's right. So when um, I'm reading Hebrews chapter 12, I see, by the way, right there. Matter of fact, here's the way it sounds if you read it. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, by the way, let us lay aside every weight. What is it talking about, every weight? Let us lay aside everything that hinders us from running our race, from living out our purpose that God has put into our lives. And you know, a lot of times, this is nothing more than something mental. Most of us beat ourselves before we get out of bed every morning. We defeat ourselves before our feet ever hit the floor. We convince ourselves that we are not going to be successful in the purpose that God has put into our life. That we're not going to finish our race, that we're not going to win. But I'm here to tell you that that's not what God has called you to. Matter of fact, I'm here to tell you that God has guaranteed you victory if you'll just get in the race. What are our weights? It's anything that's not in alignment with God's purpose for our life. Uh, 
Sometimes I teach a, a class on goals, and when I talk about our goals, it's easy for us to have goals in a lot of different areas. Have goals, physical goals. I mean, many of you have probably set some physical goals for 2020, haven't you? Uh, some of you may have set um, a, a personal goal uh, for 2020. Many of you probably have even had family goals for 2020. And one of the things when it comes to having multiple goals in multiple different areas are they have to line up. Otherwise, if, for example, I see this a lot. Somebody has a goal to save $20,000. But then they have a goal to go to Disneyland, to go to Las Vegas, to go to California in the same year. Now, um, depending on what your income is, uh, you may not be able to save $20,000 while going to Disneyland, going to Las Vegas, going to California. And, and the reality is this, that it's not that those things are wrong. It's that they just don't line up with where God has called you. And so anything that's happening in your life that takes you away from where God wants you to be, where God needs you to be, is a weight. And what he says, he says, lay that aside. Oh, I remember one time climbing up a, a mountain in Afghanistan, and I, I had my pack. We had, I mean, we had, it was loaded down. And I remember one of the guys that flew by me, he didn't have his pack on. I'm like, what a fool. But then I also was a little bit jealous because he got up that mountain a lot quicker than I did. And you know, while I needed that weight for my job over there, I'm here to tell you that many of us are climbing mountains, and we're... We've got the pack on, and you see people run by you, and you see they dropped the weight at the bottom of the hill, or they dropped it 10 feet ago. They let the weight aside. Well, maybe it's not a weight. The, the second piece of this is, not only should you lay aside every weight, it says, but to lay aside every sin. And the reality is this, that sin will entangle you, it will trip you up, it will keep, sin will keep you from coming to church. Sin will keep you from sharing your faith. Sin will keep you from living out God's purpose in your life. What kind of sin am I talking about? I'm talking about anger. Getting mad at somebody. Might be somebody here at church. It might be somebody in your family. Isn't that funny sometimes how we get mad at other people? And what do we do? We hurt ourselves. Maybe it's worry. Worry. Where you can't turn off those thoughts of what in the world is happening in my life. Of all the bad things that you think are going to happen. Instead of looking at your life with gratitude that God has given you another day. You look and you wonder what bad thing is around the corner. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's a, a lifestyle where all you're doing is pulling and taking everything you can. More than you would ever need. Maybe it's envy. Maybe you look across the street at your neighbor. Maybe you look at someone in your family and you want what they've got. Maybe it's untruth. Maybe you're telling lies. Maybe you're telling lies to your friends and your neighbors. Maybe you're telling lies to yourself. And maybe ultimately you're telling lies to your Savior. It might be pride. The Bible tells us that pride goes before destruction. And there's nothing that will destroy you faster in 2020 than pride. And maybe it's unbelief. Jesus himself said that he could not do mighty works in that town because of their unbelief. And I'm here to tell you that 
Jesus can't do mighty works in your life because of your unbelief. I know I'm, uh, I'm really uh, lifting you guys up right now, right? Well, let me share the last thing, and that is this. When can we make a difference? When should we be focused on making a difference? And, and let me just read that uh, passage to you. It says, Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet. Let me just break that down for you, folks. Lift your drooping hands. Now, I don't know about you, but if you think about a boxer, when they get into round seven, eight, nine, ten, one of the things that can hurt them the most is for their hands to be dropped down because they don't have that defense anymore. And now, we may not really be in the boxing ring, and we may not even be in the boxing ring spiritually, but the thing as Christians that we're supposed to hold up with our arms is our shield of faith. And there, we drop that shield of faith and unbelief overpowers us. Maybe it's not your drooping hands. Maybe it's your weak knees. Maybe you've got to get back into the gym and and you've got to start doing some squats. Why? Because there is a road march that God needs you to go on, but he needs you to get stronger for it. You're not ready. I think about one morning when I was up at Fort Riley. They told us the next day that we were going to go to the range and qualify. And we were going to qualify in about eight different weapons. I mean, we were drooling. All right. When they woke us up at 4 o'clock that morning, we didn't even think, "Uh uh-uh. That's not bad, 4 o'clock in the morning. We're going to the range. We're about to put some uh, metal down uh, range. This is going to be fun. Before the end of the day, I was sitting up in a Humvee on a 50 caliber, thump, 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 and just watching the rounds a mile away, blowing up a Jeep. But they didn't put us on a bus like we're used to in the Air Force. Instead, they marched us six miles to the range. See, they needed us to be strong because one day we wouldn't be at Fort Riley. One day we were going to be overseas. One day we were going to be a place where there were mountains. And so we needed to get used to carrying that weight around. We needed to get used to uh, our legs having that weight on us for hours upon end. And then we needed to be able to perform our job while all that was happening. And the third thing it says here, it says, make straight paths for your feet. Remember I talked about earlier how that uh, this time a year ago, I had a choice. I had to make a vector decision. Which direction was I going to go in 2019? It was tough. I had just gotten here as your pastor, and that's what I'm introduced to. I mean, I'm about to preach a sermon series called How to Have your, Live Your Best Year Ever. And that's what I get entered before the year is out. That's how I finish 2019 or 18. But church, I'm here to tell you that it was the decision to not look back on my dad's death with regret, but to look back with gratitude, to think about the good things that are happening in my life, to think about how that God has prepared the way because of the things that my father had done. And I looked at that with gratitude. And so my path was straight. I knew that I was focused on my job here in Centralia as the pastor of Temple Baptist Church. Did it make it any easier? No, it did not. And I'm here to tell you that regardless of what is going on in your life right now, regardless of what can tell you, you know what, 2020 is not starting off right. 
that you have a decision to make. And that you can choose not to, to look back on whatever that is with regret, but you can look forward with gratitude and be grateful that God chose you to allow that to happen to you. It's because here's the reality, somebody needs to hear your story. Somebody needs to know that you went through that battle and you got through the other side and you are alive. They need to hear that, you know, you're going to lose a child. They need to hear that you're going to lose your husband or your wife. They need to hear that somebody's going to walk out on you. And yet God still is faithful. Folks, God did not call us to be saved and have a perfect life. Just go back to the early church and every one of the apostles except one was offered as a martyr. And the one who wasn't, he was dipped in boiling oil. So when do we make a difference? We make a difference now. Think about this quote right here. It says, one day you will wake up and there won't be any more time to do the things you've always wanted. Do it now. You see, all I could think about as I drove from here eight hours to West Virginia, all I could think about is that I wanted just one more ride with dad, one more phone call, one more hug, one more trip. One more visit. Just one more. But I didn't get those. Instead, as I spoke at his funeral, I shared five things. And I just want to share them very quickly with you. And that was this. In 2020, I would encourage you to make more memories. Slow down. Smell the roses. Enjoy whatever you're doing with whoever you're doing that with. Your kids need that even if they're adults. Your grandchildren need that. They look up to you. Not only do you need to make more memories, but while you're making more memories, you need to take more pictures. And, and I'm just going to speak on behalf of some of your family members because many of you in here, uh, when someone pulls a camera out, you're like, oh, take my picture. <laughs> when you're gone, that's all they've got. And I want you to think about that, and I want you to put your hands down. I want you to smile. Because that's how they're going to remember you. That's what they're going to hold on to. That's what they're going to fill with tears. And call more often. Kids, call your parents. Have you ever had one of your parents say, nope, I'm busy right now. I don't want to talk to you. Call them. And, and until they start saying, look, quit calling me eight times a day, call them. Number four, say I love you more often than you think you should. Those are words of truth. Those are words of healing. Those are words of power. If you didn't get told you I, I love you enough, you need to overdo it with everyone else. Maybe not the person in line at Walmart, but everybody else you say I love you too. That means anything in your life. And the last thing I, I shared with them was that you should be eternally minded. You see, because the reality is this, that when, when your time here on earth is done, you may not get an advance warning. You may not be told that you've got a month to live. My brother had just spent the week with my dad. Had just left that morning. Didn't think anything else of it. He 
walks into his house and he gets a phone call from me. There's no advance warning, folks. But here's the reality. One day, every one of us is going to step, we're going to leave this body behind and we're going to enter eternity. And our soul is going to spend a, in one of two areas. We're either going to spend the rest of eternity in heaven or we're going to spend the rest of eternity separated from God in a place called hell. So when I say we need to make a difference now, I want to share with you as a church how you can make a difference being a part of Temple Baptist Church. If you have those note takers, I would turn that over because I'm going to share with you some goals that we have for our church. And and I think these are some incredible goals. If you have the uh, app open, you'll see these listed there. But here are some of the goals that we have as a church. Number one is we want to present the compelling, life-saving gospel in all of our ministries here and witness 50 decisions for Jesus Christ. Would you love to see 50 different people come and make a profession of faith in our Lord and Savior? That is why we exist as a church. All of these other things we do are great, but nothing is more important than that one decision. And we as a church can absolutely see 50 people come to know the Lord as their Savior because of what we're doing here. We want to assimilate 100 new unchurched people into the life of Temple Baptist Church. And we're going to do this through a thing called Foundations Clash that you're going to hear a lot about. Not only that, but we want to dunk 50 unashamed followers of Jesus in baptism. We want to keep, I'm going to have to put these, these cross on wheels because we use this so often. Matter of fact, next week we're going to be baptizing too. Before the end of the year, Lord willing, we're going to see 50 people get baptized. We want to develop 50 active, faith-filled prayer warriors that are begging God to do more in the greater Centralia area than they ever can imagine through Temple Baptist Church. We want to find a fresh way to integrate Radiate. That's a Wednesday night we have youth that we bring in. We want to integrate them and their families to this service on 1045 on Sundays. Many of you, you come and you've been a part of this church and you didn't realize that there's 25 different kids that we minister on a weekly basis. We don't want to just minister to them. We want to minister to their families. We want to make a difference just like somebody made a difference in my family's life years ago. We want to find a fresh, um, we want to, I'm sorry, we want to kick off 10 new local mission efforts through Temple Baptist Church. And we want these to impact our community with the message of Jesus. If you've been around here for the last couple months, you know that we have been putting beds into homes. Not only that, but this past year, we have, through our benevolence ministry, helped many families. Matter of fact, I believe that we spent over $5,000 in benevolence helping families that were hurting, that needed at, at a critical time in their life. God's blessed us to have that ability to do that. Not only that, but we also want to establish 50 men in a thriving men's ministry. If you look at that picture, I don't know if you can read the quote there at the bottom, but it says 93% of family gets saved if the husband is saved first. I like those odds. And so we are unashamedly going to be reaching out to men and and challenging them to take up the mantle, to to, to lead their families in the faith. We want to create a live stream interactive message that engages 200 people weekly. He said, we don't even have 200 here weekly. See, that's how God works. Matter of fact, he told his disciples in one of the, uh, his uh, parables that to go out into the uh, highways and the hedges and compel them in. And folks, one of the hedges that we have is online. 
And we as a church have an opportunity to reach them with the message. Technology is our friend. We also want to empower 50 women to grow with a fresh discipleship journey. We want to increase the foot traffic during the 1045 service to 7,500. I believe today, if I, when we add up everything for the year, we probably have 4,980 people come to one of our services on Sunday morning. I'm believing in faith that next year, when I sit, stand before you on the last Sunday in December, that that number will be close to 7,500, if not a lot more. We want to leverage our gym with locals to bridge the gospel into their lives. The Lord has blessed us with an incredible campus here. And we want to not just keep it pristine, but we want to use it. And we want to reach out and, and across, outside of these doors and let the community know that there's a church that cares about them, that loves them, that wants to make a difference. We want to forge ahead with our Kids Quest and that it helps 50 youth every week to grow in Christ and to help them participate in life-changing events. A year ago, as a church, we stepped out in faith. We only had six children coming on a regular basis. And today, there's over 20 in there right now. And um, we had over 55 at one point. I believe that we can see 50 every week. We want to foster a fresh desire for God's word in the life of every attendee. Folks, this is what you need more than anything else. I appreciate that you come to church. I appreciate that you listen to my message. You put up with it. But I'm here to tell you that more importantly than whatever I say to you, you need what God's word says to you. This is tried and true. It's, it's been good for thousands of years. It's going to be good for eternity. We want to have 100% of our people participate in regular giving offerings. You know, the, the words I use are outrageous generosity. Now, I know that people cringe when a pastor starts talking about giving. But folks, I come to you boldly because our church has been... Um, on the forefront of reaching out beyond what you see here. And we have, we have not been shy about this. And so we, as, when God brings the resources in, we will reinvest those and we will continue to grow our impact across the Centralia community. We want to see an uprising of 50 energetic, spirit-filled volunteers. When, uh, when you all called me as your pastor, there was two things you asked for. You asked for leadership and you asked to help get more people involved. Folks, it's not uncommon. Matter of fact, uh, back on Friday, we had 55 different volunteers working across this campus. What, what, what did they do? Well, we need ushers. And, and I just, newsflash, you don't have to be a male to be an usher here at this church. Ladies, if you want to serve in that capacity, you have that ability. We need help in Kids Quest, whether it's in the nursery, in our pre-K, over in Children's Church. We need help with our uh, First Impressions team. Have you, have you seen the folks greeting you in the parking lot? Even on days when it's cold and chilly, they're out there saying, good morning, welcome to Temple Baptist Church. We need folks that sit in the uh, uh, foyer here and just say good morning as you walk by. We also have a hospitality team. Believe it or not, those donuts just don't appear. They don't grow out of those tables. The coffee, the hot coffee doesn't just pour itself into those canisters. There's a committed group of people in our church that every week they faithfully show up and they help make this a hospitable area so that when somebody who for the first time in a long time come back to church, they don't feel like an outcast. They don't feel like a stranger. They feel like this is the place that they belong because that's what we want to see happen. 
We want to elevate our use of social media to impact 10,000 every month. Say, oh, those are big numbers, Pastor Ronnie. You, you better believe it. But you know what? That's what reaching out into the highways and the hedges is all about. The opportunity is there for us. We just need to, again, take a step of faith and move and watch what God does for us. I want to see our church build a godly, biblical worldview so that each attendee here is able to give an answer. Why do you follow Jesus Christ? We want to see and witness a church-wide participation in our three big event Sundays. Uh, coming up, you're going to, to hear us, uh, uh, Easter is just around the corner, just three months away. And then after Easter, there's going to, we're going to do a patriotic service. And then after that, in the fall, we're going to do another friend day, and we're going to set a record that has never, ever been seen in this building. But we can only do that if we have our entire church participating and being a part of this and uh, helping us in these efforts. We're going to reach 15,000 unchurched in the greater Centralia area. Do you know that within... Um, 15 miles of our church, there's over 25,000 people. Yeah, that's right, in Centralia. And we just want to reach 15,000 of them. And we can do that. You see, God specializes in the impossible, and God will take, just like he did uh, in, in the Old Testament, he will take a small contingent of committed believers and, and defeat the enemy in his own camp. We want to establish an uprising of teens for Jesus like you've never seen before. Folks, we don't have a teen ministry that's effective here right now. But that doesn't mean we can't and shouldn't and won't. We plan to schedule and have two worship experiences outside of our normal morning, Sunday morning service. And we want to make sure that when we do this, that God gets the glory for what's going on. We want to see spirit-led and spirit-filled worship. We want to see that when, when we lift up our voices in uh, song and to our Lord and Savior, that we are impacted inside, in our heart, at the soul level. We plan on holding a church-wide day of fasting and prayer where we beg God to do the unthinkable in Centralia. You know, the Bible tells us that some things can only be accomplished through prayer and fasting. And we as a church corporately are going to be a part of that. And then finally, I want to inspire every one of our attendees to confess more, read more, ask more, and live more like we believe that Jesus Christ is coming back. Next week, I'll be starting a a new sermon series, a four-week series called Living the Good Life in 2020. And I'm going to talk about these four spiritual disciplines. You won't want to miss that. And so what I ask you to do right now is, if you've got that goal, uh, you see those on the note taker, I would encourage you to look at those. What are the goals that you feel God is already calling you to, that you want to be a part of? And you need to circle that. You don't have to turn that into me. You just need to circle that. And then you need to go to your Heavenly Father and ask Him, God, how can I help see 50 women develop their faith? How can I help see 50 kids every week be blessed. How can I help? I mean, what is the areas? And see, it doesn't just have to be one goal. It could be all of them, some of them. What has God put on your heart? Because here's what I believe. I believe that God has in this room right now what we need to accomplish every one of those goals. God is going to continue to bring more workers in, and through the harvest. He's going to continue to bring more people into our church that see these goals and want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. 
But more importantly than who is he going to bring, it's what are those of us that are here right now going to do. And so the second thing I would offer you is if you look in front of you, there's a card there that says, I'm ready to serve. If you see one of those goals and you're like, I have got to be a part of this, I would encourage you to fill out one of those I'm ready to serve cards. And there's a space on there where you can write in, I want to be a part of this goal. And you just put it there. That card will get back to me and I'll reach out to you very soon and, and share with you and, and make sure that you are an integral part in us as a church reaching each one of those goals. Now, if you recall, um, I only had like four or five goals for us this past year. And here, that's more than 20. And not only that, but they're a lot bigger than the last goals. And the reality is this. God has been preparing the way. He has set the foundation. And he is ready to build on this structure. And the only way that we can do this successfully is if we do it in the name of Jesus Christ. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.